This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the program. It's really nice to have you here. It's Wednesday, and um, I can't even tell you how many emails, texts, phone calls I've had, people talking to me about the Wendy Williams documentary. I don't know if you have seen this or not. If you have, you, you know why I'm doing this. If you haven't seen the Wendy Williams documentary on Lifetime, um, run, don't walk and watch it. And I don't say that for the prurient nature of what you're going to see, because what you see is very upsetting. It is Wendy Williams in a state I never expected to see her in. And by the way, I believe I should not have seen her in. But the questions are not about the documentarians who, you know, rolled tape on this. They were invited by Wendy Williams. I know. I had the same questions. Isn't Wendy under a guardianship like Brittany was? Which would mean a guardian would say, I'm sorry, Wendy, you cannot sign that contract and be an executive producer on a documentary about your comeback. No, that is what a guardian would have, should have done. Did not do. And subsequently, cameras came in for a year. This wasn't one slip up, like through the back door and oops, look what we got. It was a year. Why? Why would a guardian have allowed that to happen? And it turns out this guardian has some other issues. Big ones, like 30 million issues. Now talk about that with her brother. This is an exclusive we have tonight with Tommy Williams, her beloved brother, who appears in that documentary who has a lot of questions as well. Tommy's going to talk to us about Wendy's family, about whether they can even find her to this day. Some incredible stuff there. Also, uh, regarding Brian Koberger, get out your calendar and then keep it out. Because I and you, we are all still waiting to find out when that trial is going to be. Today, there was a hearing. Brian Koberger was brought into court, and a whole bunch of things were talked about. <laughs> not the least of which his lawyers and Brian Koberger himself do not want to be tried in the same place where he's housed, Latah County. He's upstairs, his jail cell's downstairs. He does not like that county, he does not like that courtroom, he does not like the people in that county because of all the, I don't know, press coverage, lots of other things. Anyway, you'll hear what that argument was all about and whether moving that trial is going to make a lick of difference. Uh, and then there's Drew Peterson. Oh, Drew Peterson. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin because I've actually begun. If you've been watching this program this week, you'll have seen uh, clips of Drew Peterson from inside his maximum security uh, prison in Indiana. I did the same walk that Drew is doing right there. I don't have the cane. He now does. And um, he came and spoke with us for two hours in that lockdown. Um, and most of it, he blamed everybody else 
except for himself, for why he's there for the rest of his life. But the person he really unloaded on, other than his dead wife and missing wife, was his lawyer, Joel Brodsky, guy who was side by side with him through his whole trial, all the tribulations, defending him. Drew has turned the tables and said, that guy's the reason that he's locked up. Says he wasn't defended the right way. Says he should have been allowed to go on the stand. Newsflash, you're always allowed to go on the stand. It is not your lawyer's decision. Drew had a lot of other things to say, though, about Joel Brodsky. Kind of gross stuff, like what Joel Brodsky would want to do with me. Again, what? And Joel Brodsky's here tonight. So he's going to react. But how about we start here, shall we? She had the skills, she had the brains, she had the looks. God knows she had her issues. But throw in a purple chair and an hour of daily airtime, and soon Wendy Williams had millions and millions of fans who miss her very much to this day and who are seething mad that the Lifetime docuseries called Where is Wendy Williams saw the light of day. The doc reveals the former talk show icon as a faltering and disoriented, sometimes very aggressive dementia patient who's also got a bad drinking problem. Ironically, the question that's posed by the title, Where is Wendy Williams?, is now the question that Williams' own family wants answered. They say that Wendy is, quote, stuck in a treatment facility and that they cannot get in touch with her. In just a moment, I'm going to be joined live by Wendy's brother, Tommy Williams, for a one-on-one interview. He is also in this documentary, and he has grave concerns about the people who surround Wendy. And on that subject, we have some stunning new details about the attorney who is acting as Wendy Williams' guardian. The uh, newspaper, the U.S. Sun, is reporting that in 2022, Sabrina Morrissey, the guardian, was one of several lawyers named in a $30 million lawsuit for allegedly, quote, perpetuating a baseless guardianship against a New York man. Now, that man is uh, Jose Verdugo. Jose Verdugo won a $5.5 million award in a personal injury claim. But then he was allegedly told that he would only get the money if he agreed to enter into a guardianship. The person who allegedly told him? A colleague of Sabrina Morrissey's. That's Wendy Williams' guardian. And guess who became Jose Verdugo's guardian? I don't need to give you any more time. It was Sabrina Morrissey, Wendy Williams' guardian. And she held the position uh, for five years, from 2010 to 2015. The $30 million lawsuit against her and others claims this, and I quote, defendants imprisoned Verdugo in a humiliating and oppressive guardianship by manipulating and serially deceiving him in the process. Quote, reaping Morrissey's law firm substantial court-awarded fees. That's a quote from the lawsuit. For reasons unknown, the plaintiffs dropped their suit last August, but this still raises some interesting questions about the lawyer who is now overseeing Wendy Williams' affairs. 
same lawyer guardian who tried to keep the Lifetime documentary from being released. Released, <laughs> not shot. Released. The shooting had gone on for a year unchecked. It was only two days before the documentary aired that Wendy's guardian, Sabrina Morrissey, sought an injunction against the Lifetime network. But that injunction was denied. I have no idea why all of a sudden Wendy's guardian tried to stop the documentary from airing. Since presumably she would have, have had to give Williams and the producers a green light to shoot it in the first place. For a year. Presumably, she even allowed Wendy Williams to sign on as, quote, executive producer, end quote, because executive producer Wendy Williams is listed in a huge opening credit. You see where I'm going with this, right? Like, I am really confused. How do you get cameras into Wendy Williams' home, following her all around New Jersey, too, for a year without approval from The Guardian? Uh, presumably... There was no need, or it was approved, because it happened. We're also hearing now from several celebrities, including the Grammy-nominated rapper Fat Joe, who's a dear friend and confidant of Wendy's, and here is some of what Fat Joe had to say. Wendy Williams, I had nightmares last night. I had nightmares last night. I watched it. I watched the whole thing, one, two, three. So what people do when they're in charge and they're custodians of money is they take advantage and they spend your money. So her family, who seemed to be a super honest family, loving family, said, hey, give it to us, man. We don't even, if y'all worried about the money, we don't even need that. We want our sister. We want to help her get better. I don't know if she's going through dementia. They said that. She obviously got a drinking problem. But somewhere in there is still Wendy. Like you would see her pop out. And she knew how to take shots. She was like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm divorced now. But he's broke. And go back into the... It's crazy because Wendy is Wendy. Like somewhere in there is Wendy Williams. Now, Fat Joe did not appear in the documentary, but Williams kind of lovingly mentioned him. Um, it was during this like kind of disturbing moment where two of Wendy's staffers, a manager who was seated beside her and a publicist who was on Zoom, they were encouraging her to start a podcast, despite Wendy obviously having diminished mental capacities. Take a look. We should start moving towards figuring out who Wendy would like to interview, what that needs to look like, trying to figure out what the press wants. Puff Daddy. Into work. Well, let me ask you a question. Who do you think should be some of the first guests on the podcast? Kiki Shepard. Ooh, I like that, Wendy. Um, Madonna. The end of the road is Madonna. Wendy, again, as executive producer, invited a production crew into her life for about a year to capture her so-called comeback to television. But throughout the documentary, Wendy herself seemed to confuse the documentary shoot and the documentary team um, with the podcast project. I should also mention that her family made appearances as well throughout the, the series. Take a look. Come close. 
So, Kevin, I'm so glad you're here. Really? Really? Yes. I know you are. I know you are. I couldn't wait to see you. I know Wendy. I know my Wendy. You know, she needs to heal. That's what needs to happen. Well, she's she's not good right now. You know, if I was sitting on the outside, I would be saying, well, wait a minute now. She has a whole family, and she has all this money, and all this fame, and this is where we are? Well, what the heck happened? How did she get to this point? When the whole process started, all members of this family were contacted about Wendy and what we needed for her. You know, my feeling as her sister... Um, was Wendy needs to have somebody with her 24 hours a day for the next few months. I was asked, would I consider being guardian? I said, I don't know what being a guardian involves. Um, I was told that it involved taking some kind of class. You know, I said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, whatever I got to do. And, you know, I'll be focused on Wendy's health. And then all of a sudden, the wall came down. And there was nothing. Now, why that happened, I don't know. I have opened my heart. And you suck that information. And then you shut it down. And you tell me that I'm not capable of taking care of my sister. I am joined now by Wendy Williams' brother, Tommy Williams. He also hosts the Tommy Williams Show on YouTube. Tommy, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to me tonight. I really appreciate this. I want to. I want to ask you, like, I want to ask you right away how how you feel about the doc. But but before I do that, I noticed that moment when you slid into the banquet beside your sister and you were seeing her with your dad. She mentioned um, she, she she mistook you. She called you Kevin, which is either either her husband yes. ex husband's name or or her son's name. And I know you, you just let it go, but what were your thoughts at that moment? Um, it's, it's kind of, um, <clears throat> it's strange because it's kind of the norm, to be honest. It's, 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 um, it's kind of the norm, you know, between my mother, you know, in the past, you know, you know growing up and, um, you know, just everybody in the family, you know, it's, you get a bald head, you know, I, I could be Kevin in, in a lot of times, you know, I mean, you know, in the early days, you know, early when, when, when he was married and stuff and family was all around. Yeah, you get thrown a, 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 wrong, a wrong name. Even my oldest sister sometimes, she'll, you know, call me Kevin. But you didn't you take know, it as, and say, as part of the, whatever. the dementia? So, you didn't you know think what? it was I, the, I, the No, no, I did. That's, immediately, that's all I thought it was because, you know, with all that was being um, laid out over the Internet and then naturally knowing what was going on, um, you know, I knew that Wendy was different, and I knew that that would be something that would, you know, possibly arise, you know, um, yeah. you know, some hiccups along the way. So um, I, we're not in the big family of judgment, and also, we, you know, we, we, it's just a, a misname. But I sure. definitely was keyed in. It didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't going to throw off my time with Wendy. If anything, it just, you know, reminded so, me how much I need to be a sponge and absorb some of the things. Let me ask you, now that the documentary's been out, a uh, couple of days, and there's just a, it's blown up online, people's reactions. What is your reaction and the reaction from your family about what the documentary shows? Um, well, uh, my reaction, it's, it's funny, my re reaction was, um, I think, a latent reaction. 
Um, with every, with, with everything, I'm on the late. I was on a late bus. I've, I said it on um, on my platform. I was a late bus rider. Um, and I say this because um, <clears throat> you know everybody was everybody knew what pretty much the backstory was in terms of the the monies and um, you know um, Wendy being you know with the guardianship and and kind of how that's defined and whatnot more than I had allowed myself to. Um, be educated on, you know, I, I, I didn't consume myself with it, you know, I, um, I'm a firm believer in being prideful, um, I come from a family of, you know, no, don't pity us, you know, we'll be fine, we have a very small family, but we're a very tight family, and um, I, you know, govern myself pretty much with a rod up my back and keep my, you know, head up and everything, and most time people don't know what kind of pain if I'm dealing with any or discomfort or sadness um, during the course of the day, and I was just trying to carry forward, you know, the, the, um, some of the virtues, some of the things that we've um, been instilled, you know, as kids, kids and stuff. Can I, you know, can I, just, I ask it you? It didn't, didn't make sense to me, and I just was... So, so many people have said, we should not have seen what we saw. These were moments where Wendy is not at her best. It is, is not what she would want her legacy to be. This is um, mm -hmm. something that should have, she should have been protected against. I wanted to get your thoughts as to whether you're upset yeah. that the whole world has been invited in to see Wendy struggling and that maybe a guardian should have been there to stop that. Well, you know, um, yeah, I, um, I, I did feel as though, you know, everything was, it was private or, you know, but I mean, she's been a celebrity um, most of my life. I mean, since eight, I was 18 when she was, um, you know, starting to dig into, uh, uh, radio and things, and then it was, the elevator just went up from there. So, you know, I'm, I was familiar with, the, you know, things being laid out over um, some sort of media. And so with that, you know, comes, you know, understanding and just, you know, it is what it is. It's a level of buy-in. You know, we this is this is who Wendy is, and we have to accept her for, you know, who she is, you know, and, um, and, and make the proper pivots but and adjustments. Are you okay um, with it? I mean, but, are you, you know, okay that, um, that she made well, the decision you know as, a, no, as an executive producer and, and the Guardian did not stop this year-long documenting of, of, um, of Wendy's mental struggles? Well, you know, um, now having seen the documentary, uh, documentary, <laughs> um, I um, I see where they were going early on, and and you know, I didn't see, and which brings me back to your um, previous question, you know, I didn't see where they were going with things early on, and so you know, I was on a sideline saying, you know, uh, why are they showing this? And I was pissed, and it was going through my lives, it was going with how I was addressing a lot of the media, and it was going how I was, I was addressing family as well. You know, I didn't I didn't feel as though I wanted to ride with the people who who felt it was necessary to, um, you know, put put that out there and show what was going on with Wendy. I didn't, and, and you know what, actually, family wasn't on, family didn't understand either, but they were more receptive because they were learning about the guardianship before I did. You know, I wasn't, you know, learning about that. I didn't, you know, open myself up to it until recently. You know, until recently. You know, like I have a day job, I, I do my stuff. When I do sure. speak with Wendy, you know, I, I, I hear her and things like that. And I have an older sister and I have a family of communicators. So it wasn't necessary for me to have those conversations. Day to day, I, And I, I knew how I needed yeah. to I know I knew how I, I needed to, to process and compartmentalize things so I can be um, productive and still, let, you know, run my household. Let me ask you this, like Tommy. Um, you, your family has said that, that she's... Uh, 
she's trapped in a, in a treatment center. What is the status of Wendy right now? A, where is she? How is she? And are you all able to communicate with her? Wendy, um, well, you know what, we are able to communicate with Wendy when we get a call. So we, meaning, you know, some member of the family who's been deemed, you know, the, the reachable party, you know, which we all are, um, but, you know, everybody's not that reachable. So, you know, generally my, um, my sister or, or will get the call and then she'll patch uh, me in or my dad in and we'll speak with Wendy together. Um, but, you know, we, that's how things have been happening. And that's one of the things that I've, I've kept close to my vest because I didn't think it was necessary. I didn't want to have that daily dialogue on, you know, that's, that's not right or whatever have you. And, um, you know, I knew what was going on and I, I didn't know for how long we'd have to deal with what we're dealing with. Um, but now it just seems like the right time, definitely, um, to um, to come out and with 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 my truth, and um, you know, and share what's been happening all the while. Is she is she okay? Is she doing better than the Wendy we saw in the documentary? Yes. Yes, she is. Can you? Expand it's been on a that? year since then, so I mean, you know, it's just, you know, so, yes, yeah, she's she's doing better. I mean, I can't uh, I can't lay out like. That was old footage. I mean, you know, a lot of it was old, older footage. You know, I mean, you know, then they stopped filming at a certain point, and you know, Wendy's right now was, you know, Wendy's under under radar. She's 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 you know. So I mean, pretty much all the people able able to see, all the people are able to see at this particular point, is what was documented, and um, and then it cuts off. So between. So to be the clear, point of cut off and now I, yeah, was, it, it, was growth. She it was started continuously two years ago. Getting, getting better. Yeah, the, the doc started two years ago. Presumably it ended about a year ago. So there's been a year undocumented. And you're saying she's doing better. Uh, is she in a treatment facility right now? And, and where? Well, I, I'm not at liberty to say. I, I mean, you know, I don't know where. You know, I could tell you that. I don't know where. And, um, you know, and I, she's there. She's at a facility of some sort, and we just don't know, and that's the uncomfortable part of it all. Who put her there? We don't have any information. Uh, I'm not, uh, I, I, I can't really go that deep into it, but I know that um, she's where we need to have her come out of, and I know that, you know, all I'm hearing is guardianship behind the reasoning for her being where she is. So with that comes the puzzle. We could all mash together. But I'm not one to say a fluid where she is because I'm just really getting on board when I was on the late bus. Tommy, let me ask you this. Are you so, and your family you know, okay with yes. Sabrina Morrissey, the guardian who presumably allowed these cameras to come into her house and show the world, Wendy, in a state that I'm sure you and your family would prefer we didn't see? Well, I'm hearing a lot of different things about the character of the party, but, you know, I, in terms of, you know, um, you know, itemizing things that makes me uncomfortable, the whole thing just makes me uncomfortable, and I just want Wendy back, and the whole family does. And um, if Sabrina is anything dealing with, you know, her, her not being able to come back, well, then by all means, yes, I'm very uncomfortable with that position that she's laid out for us. Are, are you upset with The Guardian for allowing this... I'm this camera crew to come I'm in. upset. Um, the, well, the camera crew, you know, I'm upset for a lot of different reasons. But one thing is that, you know, I kind of, you know, looking down the line a little bit and having seen this production that just came out, 
you know, a lot of it wouldn't have taken place if not for some of the documentation. So I'm just, you know, fortunately we have had a documentation or when he had it to put together a, a good quality piece to kind of expose the real situation and the realities of what's going on. But, you know, uh, it, you know how the, vi the video has gotten, I mean, you know, and, and am I behind all that? I, 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 there's more, for, it's more than I could even speak on. I'm just glad with the end result and glad that the piece was put together and glad I'm able to come out now and tell the truth. Tommy, after, after the break, if I can, I want to ask you about two people who featured prominently in that documentary. Um, Wendy's manager, his name is Will Selby, and a young woman mm -hmm. who says she's the publicist. It seemed oftentimes she was like an assistant, and her name is Sean Zanotti. I want to ask you about those two people and some of the other people who seem to be in an entourage around Wendy. I want to know how the family feels about that. That's coming up right after this break. Sure. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Sure. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system including current or planned pregnancy. With Camzios reducing my symptoms, I've gone from sitting on the sidelines to being back in the game. My name is Stephanie, and this is my Camzios moment. Call your cardiologist today and see if a Camzios moment may be in your future, too. If you have seen the documentary, Where is Wendy Williams? You have to feel something. You might feel sadness. You might feel anger. Um, you might feel that Wendy's been cheated out of her legacy. And that's because Wendy Williams is shown in a light that Wendy Williams would not have wanted to be shown in. She is clearly suffering from um, a diminished mental state. And there is a clear alcohol issue that is depicted in the four-part docuseries on Lifetime. Her brother, Tommy Williams, is here with me live. Tommy, when was the last time you or any of your family members spoke with Wendy, and, and what did she say? Well, I missed the call today. Um, this morning I was moving about, starting my day, and um, I got a text from my older sister saying that um, she spoke with Wendy. So um, that was the first call, I believe, since the documentary um, that, you know, actually came through. I don't know, maybe she might have made attempts and that's what we have to deal with. So, you know, it's the happenstance. So, so she called Wanda she got today. The call. I didn't speak with her. Yeah. And Wanda generally, you know, patches everybody. But, you know, I was, you know, I was tied up. And um, but Wanda did, you know, let me know early on so I can get my day started feeling good about that. And that tell me, great. what, what she did she tell Wanda? Her. What did Wendy tell Wanda today? Well, my day, once it got going, it got on and on. So I had to brief with Wanda probably like, tomorrow or maybe later on tonight or whatever have you. But I didn't speak with Wanda about the um, nature of the call. But I'm sure it was just, you know, a general call. We get the calls, hey, how you doing? And, you know, we kind of, you know, leave it open. We don't ask or bait or anything like that because we have to make sure that we have Wendy comfortable while we're on the phone with her. And did Wendy seem okay? Did, was Wanda able to tell you at least that before you uh, decided on a debrief tomorrow? She was excited. 
she was excited. She couldn't wait to tell me. So that was great news. That was a great drop this morning. That was a great push into the day. Wanda was and, excited um, or Wendy was excited? Yeah. Well, Wanda was excited. Yeah. We get calls. I mean, you know, it's, it's the next call, you know. In so, between the calls, we don't know what's happening. We don't know where Wendy is. So, of course, naturally, a phone call comes in. We ring it up the flagpole and it's everybody's like fantastic it's a, we have to be thankful for the small stuff at this particular point and hold on to hope do you, do you know if she was at the treatment center when she called wanda today i didn't speak with wanda no. about you know the nature or, or any type of anything i just know that she spoke with mm. hey tommy i spoke with wendy this morning oh wow get out of here that's fantastic all right, well, listen, I can't really talk now. We'll talk later on. Okay, That's I'm calling you tomorrow it, to get it the details. It, it, <laughs> Once you've it had your me, debrief. It, it definitely put me up in the clouds all day. Well, I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad you've had that connection. And I, I definitely am going to give you a call yeah, tomorrow yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to check in on your debrief. Um, before the break, I yeah. mentioned Will Selby is uh, Wendy's manager, and Sean Zanotti is Wendy's publicist slash um, assistant. Um, these two people seem to think that uh, Wendy can either do a podcast uh, project, and um, at least Sean Zanotti seems to think she could do a TV show. They went to NBC Universal for a pitch in L.A. What are your thoughts about the people um, who surround Wendy and, and what they think Wendy can well, do? Well, when you say, well, when you say that, I haven't heard them say that she can do anything recently to to, to do all that stuff. You said this stuff recently. That was. Said recently? Yeah, this was all in the in the documentary. You know, she was under guardianship in 2022, and these documentarians came in while she was under guardianship, and the, the entourage is setting her up for for TV shows and and, and podcasts. And um, it, it seems pretty apparent that it would be very hard for Wendy to have pulled those off in the condition she was in. What do you think about those folks trying to set her up for those? Well, you know, um, I'm kind of torn because. If he said something like that now, like fast forwarding, or if it was, I don't know if that was documented, him saying that, and there was some footage from like a year ago, him saying, oh, she can do a show. It, you it know what, I think there was even was, some kicks. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I remember, okay. In the, in the dock. He's, you know, she's, she's uh, yep, having a tough yep, time I, understanding I, what I, the cameras were even doing in her I apartment. I do remember yeah. because I was pissed. I do remember because I was pissed. I, it just all comes back to me now. Yes, I, that was one of my rants when I was talking about you know, trailing her around and have the cameras all following her around. You know, yeah, I didn't think that she was, you know, she was furnished enough time for, you know, recovery. Um, I, I'm not clinical, so I don't know, you know, what, what was she was dealing with. And, and I, I, at that point, we were kind of in the dark. Um, so, no, it wasn't time. What are they doing? What are you doing? Why do you have all these cameras on my sister? You know, it was, and, 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 yeah. And she was dealing with so much more. I mean, you look at the divorce was fresher. Everything was fresher. She wasn't in any condition to do that. It, it yeah, wasn't time. So you, you were upset do. with these I'm so, two. I'm so, um, I'm so glad that she didn't do anything further. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. to be clear, you were she upset with the, uh, with the manager and the, and the publicist for suggesting that she could have taken Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't. Well, you know what? I didn't know where they were going with it. Absolutely. And I questioned it. Sure. That's what I did. Uh, Tommy Williams, I can't thank yeah. you enough for, for coming on and sharing uh, the good news that you've been able to speak with your sister, your, at least your sister has. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to call you tomorrow. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you can make some news um, on how your sister's doing tomorrow. Sure, sure. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely, um, you know, hopefully uh, have family sit back and watch, watch this, um, this, this segment. 
you know, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. I think the narrative is important to get out there. I'm trying to push it out as, as far as possible, you know, because, you know, there's, there's, there's loads of people that are supporting Wendy. I do have a channel based on the supporting Wendy. Um, you know, like I said, I've evolved. I've grown tremendously in the past couple of years. You know, since my mother's passing, I got more clarity on things and more clarity on, on what my mission needs to be concerning family, and I feel as though I'm in the pocket. I'm exactly where I need to be. Well, let me tell you something. On a personal note, I met your sister um, many times. I was on her program as a guest. I did a guest host for her when she wasn't well. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your sister. I'm in awe of her. I'm jealous of her amazing success. But more so, I just found her to be a remarkable talent and a remarkable person. So um, I'm in your corner in the support for, for your sister, and I really do wish the best for her and yeah. for your family. And, I, and you know what, I truly, I truly believe that it's not over. I truly believe that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I weigh on the, on the positive side of things, you know, and, and, you know, and, I, and I'm a firm believer in my sister. You know, when it I'm all started, you know, I was there. I was there on, I was there on conception, and I, and I do believe that, you know, she's not done yet. So I appreciate the opportunity, and let's just keep on watching and see what happens. Thanks for coming on, Tommy. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for having me. Have okay. a great night. You too. Well, there's some news. Um, boy, I hope she's going to be okay. She really is an amazing person. Still to come on this program, what could have been a historic day for law and justice in Idaho was not a historic day. Brian Koberger returned to the courtroom looking for answers that once again were not there. And while he was dealing with his death penalty case in Moscow couple counties over, Idaho was trying to execute one of its condemned inmates for the first time in 12 years. But that, too, did not work. So, might that inmate end up housed with Brian Koberger one day? I'll explain it all next. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This might finally be the day that we got a hard and fast trial date in the Idaho student murders. The suspect, Brian Koberger, was marched into court. These are new pictures, smiling at his defense team. Got the suit and tie on, standing up, no orange jumpsuit. Um, defense team came in, prosecutors were there, a camera switched on, and the judge decided not to decide. Instead, he set another hearing for May to take up the defense request to find a jury from outside of Latah County. And after that, the judge says he'll pick an actual date for the trial. Uh, Summer 2025, mark that on your calendar, but it could also be as early as March of 2025. Even so, it's a full year away. So Brian Koberger's looking at a lot more downtime in his Latah County jail cell while awaiting that trial. And while I cannot predict how he's going to fill those days, I bet I know what he was doing bright and early this morning. I think he was watching TV to see what happened to that guy. Uh, That's Thomas Eugene Creech. He's another Idaho inmate. Uh, He's a convicted killer, uh, several times over, actually, and he was due to be executed this morning after more than four decades on Idaho's death row. Idaho's death row. Same place Brian Koberger could end up after his capital murder trial. Um, 
Might he even wind up in Thomas Creech's old prison cell? Creech landed there for a litany of murders beginning in 1974. First off, while hitchhiking with his girlfriend, he caught a ride with two house painters and he shot them both in the head. Same year, he killed a woman at her home in Sacramento and then killed again while doing maintenance work at a church in Portland. Ultimately, Creech was convicted of five murders in three states, but he is claimed to kill as many as 50. He wasn't actually sentenced to die, though, until 1983, after he beat a fellow inmate to death with a sock full of batteries. Mr. Creech is now 73 years old, and you will note that I said is not was because his execution today failed. It was called off after the prison's medical team uh, just couldn't do it. Uh, they spent 47 minutes looking for a vein to insert the IV for the lethal injection. State of Idaho blames, and I quote, the poor quality of Creech's veins, end quote. And they say Mr. Creech's death warrant is just going to have to expire. It may be renewed, however, and Creech may still be put to death another way. And that brings me to this. Last year, Idaho took a page from its neighbor, Utah, and it brought back the firing squad. The lawmakers allocated $750,000 to renovate a chamber for the purpose of firing squatting. And while it's not ready for prime time yet, we do know the process. In grim detail, Utah uses five shooters and two alternates. They are all volunteer law enforcement officers, and each of them has to pass a rifle test. They use Winchester 30 caliber rifles. One of those rifles is loaded with blanks, but no shooter knows which one. Prisoners then uh, escorted into that chamber. He's strapped into that steel chair on an elevated platform 25 feet away with sandbags on each side. To catch any of the ricochets, they put a mark over his heart, and then they fire away. And that's that. And that might be how Creech is executed. And maybe Brian Koberger, too, if Brian's trial does not go his way. Coming up, if, uh, well, let's see, he blames everybody but himself for being locked away for life. And he has some choice words for the lawyer who defended him at trial, but could not keep him out of prison. After the break, more of my exclusive interview with Drew Peterson behind bars at his max security prison. But tonight, that former attorney is going to join me live with a few choice words of his own for Drew Peterson. And that's next. Get yours now at getheadshaver.com or call 1-800-203-2088. It's smooth, it's fast, it's perfect. This is the one. Microtouch Titanium Head Shaver. If you have caught even a little bit of our exclusive jailhouse interview with Drew Peterson, you know that everything that's happened to him over the past 20 years is somebody else's fault. I'm kind of paraphrasing that. But that is really what he wants you to believe. The murdered wife, the missing wife, the serial adultery, and alleged domestic abuse. Drew says none of that is on him. Everybody's out to get him, including his own ex-attorney, Joel Brodsky. Drew's hoping for a long shot here, a new trial, claiming that that attorney, Brodsky, provided, quote, ineffective assistance of counsel, a.k.a., he says, crappy lawyer. And frankly, for a guy in Peterson's situation, a.k.a. life in prison, what do you got to lose? It's been known to work before. And Drew started the ball rolling by submitting to a mental health evaluation. So I asked him about that, and I also asked him why he thinks he deserves a new trial. Take a listen. 
Let's talk about your efforts um, to win a new trial. It's up to my lawyers. Where do things stand? They don't say. They do their thing, and they'll call every once in a while. Oh, we got this happening. We got this happening. But they're out there working. Are you engaged in the process? Are you also helping them? Are you hitting the law books and doing what you can? No, they do that. They uh, seem to be very proficient what they do. I got Stephen Greenberg on my case, and he's uh, probably one of the best in Chicago. And as I understand it, it's based on the notion you believe that your prior trial attorney, Joel Brodsky, uh, was ineffective yes. in his assistance of yeah. counsel. Yes. And that he advised you not to take the stand, and for that reason you did not. Right. Correct? Right. Is there any other reason why you deserve another trial? Well, innocence. But nobody wants to believe that Drew Peterson is innocent of anything. So it's just like uh, you're sitting there with doubts in your mind right now. I'm a journalist. I'm paid to doubt. That's fine, but you still got him there. I can see it in your eyes. So it's just like uh, it's hard to convince somebody that walks in with a preconceived notion on your guilt or innocence. So if you had the opportunity to take the stand, what would you say? Tell the truth. And what is your truth? I didn't do it. But people don't want to believe that. So it's like, okay, don't believe it. But a jury got a jury to convict me and put me in here. So Joel Brodsky says that he is likely going to break privilege and tell the world what you have told him. What do you think he means by that? The thing is, if he does that, let's say I did say something incriminating, and he does that, he's opening himself up for a big lawsuit. What would he say? I don't know what goes on in his head. I can't tell you. It's just like uh, Joe Brodsky's a unique character. And I took him on because he promised me this, he promised me that. He brought on a whole team of legal guys uh, that were very good. But Joel Brodsky was the lead counsel, and he made the decisions on what should be done. So I came to not trust him anymore. But I still had him. What do you do with him? So Joel wants to visit you. Joel Brodsky? Mm-hmm. Okay, come see me. <laughs> You're open to it? Yeah, sure. What would you talk about? Who knows? how cute some of the girls in here are. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like Bratsky's a, Bratsky's a character. And when him, him and I were alone, we talked about stupid stuff like that. You know? He's, Bratsky wants to make money. That's, other than publicity, he wants to make money. And he was always looking at writing a book with my circumstances. And how much money can he make and this and that. Bratsky wants to make money. So you think he wants to uh, visit you to make money or what do you think the purpose would be for him to come and see you? I don't know. We were pretty close friends, I thought, at one time. Who knows? Maybe he just wants to say hi. And now? Who knows? How do you feel about him? I don't know. I haven't been bad-mouthing him anywhere, so it's like... Uh... Who knows? He has walked right up to the line of saying that you're a killer. Right. And not just a single killer, a multiple murderer. Okay. 
You still want to be friends with him? I didn't say I, want, I'd say I was friends with him. I didn't say I wanted to be friends with him. You still want to visit with him? I'll visit with him. And what would you say to him? Shut the f- you idiot. <laughs> I guess, pardon me. <laughs> so it's just like, Joel, Joel's a, have you met, met him? I've spoken with him. Have you sat down and talked with him? Not face to face. Okay. Well, get ready to get hit on, because that's coming. You're a pretty lady. I'll bet you $1,000, Joel, will hit on you during that conversation you have with him. So, so what would you say to Joel Brodsky if you had an opportunity to visit with him here at, uh, at the prison? Quit trying to use me to better your own position. He'll write a book. Did he write a book? He might have written a book. I don't think it sold very well. But uh, he wants the publicity to make money. He wants to step on my back to do it. Joel Brodsky is with me live now. Okay, Joel, you have your say now. What's your reaction? Uh, My wife isn't going to let me hit on you. Um... You know, he doesn't even know that uh, Steve Greenberg dropped him like a hot potato uh, uh, over a couple of years ago, and he's represented by public defenders with his post-conviction, so he, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. But, um, you know, Drew, Drew doesn't realize. You know, he's sitting there saying, hey, I, I made a mistake because I wouldn't let him testify. What he doesn't re- well, he realizes, but he doesn't realize what he's saying is, There's one reason a lawyer can't let a client testify if the client wants to testify, and that's if the lawyer knows the guy's going to get up on the stand and laugh. So basically, Drew's kind of confirming. uh, You know, know, I'm trying to walk right up to the line and not cross it. uh, But what Drew's doing is basically uh, affirming that uh, I know know what happened. So walk uh, right up I to that him. line here and tell me what it is you're trying to say. You're, you're telling me, if I'm not mistaken, Joel Brodsky, that you recommended he don't testify because you as a lawyer could not let him testify because you knew he was lying when he said he was innocent. Is that correct? I, uh, a lawyer cannot allow a client to testify who he knows he knows is going to lie on the stand. And you guys, can, you guys can draw your own conclusion from no, that. No, I want you to conclude it for me. Is that why you recommended you to testify? I wish I could do that, but I can't. But uh, I know you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or, or a Harvard PhD to figure that one out. I'll try one more way. Uh, he just said in the interview, let's say I did say something incriminating. Did he say something incriminating? Well, once again, uh, I can't get into exactly what he told me. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, he, I don't know if he knows what he's saying when he makes these ridiculous claims about an effective assistant that was uh, denied by the trial court, the appellate court, the Supreme Court, and the federal court. They all said that's not true, that he got good representation. But when he says that I wouldn't let him testify, uh, there's only one reason for that. And, uh, you know, you can draw your own conclusions, but that's the law. It's rule 3.3. A3 of the uh, Rules of Professional Conduct. It's right in the book. Joel, are you at some point soon, you have hinted that you're going to break privilege and tell the world what Drew Peterson told you about the deaths of both Kathleen and the death of Stacy, which right now we don't know about. We think she's missing. 
Well, I think, you know, Drew wants to visit me. I think I'm going to go visit him because I'd like to see him do the right thing. I'd like to see Drew, because uh, he's never getting out. His, that post-conviction thing has been uh, about two and a half years now. Most of those cases take uh, a few months. You know, Joel, so, I'm going to say to you, I actually asked him, you're stuck in here for life. Nothing's going to change that. Why not just come clean and confess? And he didn't say because right. I'm innocent. He said because I don't want my kids thinking that stuff about me. Right. Well, I want, I know, look, as Drew said, I I know him. I I know how his mind works. I know what he's thinking. Him and I, uh, you know, uh, we're together for, what, six years? Um, I want to talk to him. I I think he should do the right thing. I think that uh, if he does the right thing, it'll uh, it'll benefit everybody, including his children, including him. I think he needs to do the right thing because he's not getting out. If he had a chance. What's the right thing? that's different, but he's never getting up. What's the right so, thing? Just to tell the truth. And what's that truth? Well, he'll have to, I want him to tell. I, I think that's, the, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go arrange a visit with him and uh, sit and talk to him and uh, go over old times and also try to convince him uh, or talk to him about doing the right thing. Tell you what, Joel Brodsky, you and I should go together. How about that? I'm, I'm fresh out of time right now, but uh, I'm going to have you back. Thank you for this tonight. Really appreciate hey, we'll it. We have to have a chaperone because, you know, what Drew says. So. <laughs> Other than Joel that, Brodsky. yeah. We'll... Okay. All right. Thank you. I'm going to have you back. And thank you to the viewers as well. We're flat out of time. Cuomo is coming up next. I'm Chris Cuomo. We have a really big show tonight. Uh, Look, it seems like a murder may determine the presidential race. Why? The big ticket issue domestically is immigration. And the clash over the border is now viewed through the lens of a murder. And you know which one I'm talking about. Lakin Riley, this kid that everybody loved at the University of Georgia, who was murdered by a man who entered America illegally. Now, tomorrow, President Biden and former President Trump are both heading to the southern border. So first of all,